0: So, uh, does anybody know what a table saw is? It's like it sounds. It's a table, usually metal or some kind of composite, but usually metal. And it's got a hole in the middle with uh, some bracing where a saw motor and a belt and a saw blade will come up through the table and you can wind it so the entire blade will come up if you've got a thick piece of wood or product that you need to cut or you can twist it down and it'll go down where only a little bit if you've got a thin piece of product that you want to cut and anybody that's a serious carpenter or cabinet builder or anything like that has owned or has a table saw. Now the folks that do the framing, just the framing for houses, they'll have a hand circular saw. Some people call them a skill saw, but it's a circular saw. But anybody that does inside work or intricate work will have a table saw. And a table saw has a has a guide where you can push the wood or it has what's called a rip fence that you attach and you'll put your board up to it, you'll measure it and you'll Get the rip fence just at the right width and you can rip a piece of wood, a long piece of wood on this table saw. Works really great. But you see what we're talking about today. (laughs) Scars. And I'll have you know that uh, table saws are really good at working wood, and they're also really good on fingers. Yeah. As I was building a small boat, I'm talking about a small fishing boat, I had a piece of three-quarter-inch marine plywood that I was ripping, and it was only about this wide, but it was eight feet long. And I've got it down to a manageable piece. And when you're ripping something that's narrow with a table saw, you're supposed to use a guide or another piece of wood to push it as it gets closer. Yeah, I see some of you looking at fingers. (laughs) Well, I didn't use the piece of guide wood. And I used my thumb. And the long piece of wood got off the end of the table and it bucked and threw it away. And it was only then because I felt nothing that I realized there was blood on the wood and the table. And I had cut this finger here all the way around. My mom and dad were surprised when I came into the house and there's a trip to the emergency room for a fellow named John Conakris to sew this thumb back on. Now, I don't have any feeling in this thumb from the scar up. But a scar is something, it's a mark. It's left on the body for healing tissue. Now, we have probably all have some sort of scar or another. It could be about an injury and scars can be on the outside where you can see them or they can be on the inside where nobody can see them, where maybe it wasn't a tail saw that did it. It might've been a friend or someone close might've been someone that you love could have been through a betrayal or a bad partnership A bad marriage could could have been for so many reasons and with our scars we have to decide both inside and out whether we're going to be a victim to the scar or a victor John 11 Jesus dealt with scars, John 11 his friend Lazarus he had gotten word that he died and Jesus stayed in a place three days and everyone was despondent, despairing, wishing Jesus had come. And in John 11, it says this, as Jesus approached, when Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. You see, Jesus loved Lazarus. And Jesus was 100% God, but 100% man. So he is under that, able to understand how we feel when we have scars. It said he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. And he asked, where do you lay him? They said, come and see, Lord. And it says that Jesus wept. I want you to know that they said, oh, it's obvious how much He loved him. You see, even Jesus had to deal with hurt, with pain, and with scars. What Jesus did, though, is he went in and he raised Lazarus from the dead. He didn't let this define him. So Jesus experienced sorrow and pain, a scar. In Matthew 26, Jesus also experienced betrayal. Then one of the 12, the one called Judas Iscariot, he went to the chief priest and asked, Where are you willing, what are you willing to give me if I deliver him over to you? So they counted out for him 30 pieces of silver. And from then on, Judas watched for an opportunity to hand him over. You see, betrayal usually comes from those that are closest to you. That may act like they love you or they may in fact love you. I know probably all of us at one point or another have been betrayed. And it's that fleshy moment of betrayal that you realize, wow, I'd have never thought this. As Jesus was with his disciples, the week that he was betrayed, he was eating with them. And Simon Peter was with him, and it's recorded in John 13 that says, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? And Jesus said, Where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you'll follow later. And Peter asked, well, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I'll lay down my life for you. And then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And the night he was betrayed, the rooster crowed. And at each time, Peter said, I don't know him. Unfaithfulness. For those you thought would be faithful, unfaithfulness cuts deep. And it cut Jesus. And as Jesus was fixing to be betrayed, he went to the mount and he prayed. And it's recorded in Matthew 26. He said he returned to his disciples and found them sleeping. He, he wanted them to just pray for an hour. He knew what was coming. He had told them what was coming. He explained it to him. And he said, just stay here and pray for an hour. And in Matthew twenty-six forty through 44, it says this. When he returned to his disciples, he found them sleeping. And he asked them, couldn't you men keep watch with me for one hour? He asked Peter, watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. He went away a second time and prayed. My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken away unless I drink it, may your will be done. And when he came back, he found them again, sleeping. Sleeping because their eyes were heavy. So he left them and went away once more and prayed the third time, saying the same thing. In your time of need, the people that you thought wouldn't be there you, or wouldn't miss it for the world, you look for them. Uh, for a time when you need somebody to answer the phone, but they don't. I'll always pick up your call and then you call. Lack like of commitment. Crazy. Standing there at your house. Waiting for your friends to show up and help you move. And you don't even have a piano. Yeah. You know, one of the worst things you can do is be falsely accused. Listen to this in Matthew 27. Which of the two of you do you want me to release to you? This was the time of the Passover. And one of the customs was that they would release a criminal. And the people would choose what criminal to release. And it was at the same time that Jesus was brought in. And he was accused by the Jews. And uh, he was being reviewed by the council. But they also had Barabbas, a known bad guy. Which of the two do you want, me, you want me to release to you? Asked the governor. Barabbas, they answered. Well, what shall I do then with Jesus who is called Messiah? Messiah. Pilate asked. And they answered, crucify him. Why? What crime has he committed? Asked Pilate. But they shouted all the louder, crucify him. And when Pilate saw he was getting nowhere, but insisted on an uproar starting, he took the water and washed his hands in front of the crowd. He said, I'm innocent of this man's blood. It's your responsibility. And all the people answered, his blood is on us and our children. Little do they know it was. Then he released Barabbas to them, but he had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. Have you ever been falsely accused? And here's a man that was walking in their midst, healing the sick, raising the dead, making the lame walk. Those who couldn't hear, he was having them hear. And he was teaching love. Scars. Emotional abuse. Physical abuse. Sexual abuse. Scars that run so deep. So long. Addictions. Abandonments. Betrayals. Unfaithfulness. Unfulfilled dreams. Failed relationships. You see you can be. Betrayed by a saw blade or a scalpel. They both cause scars. And what happens with our scars is we have to make a decision. We can either be a victim of our scars. Or we can be a victor over them. Because we've all got scars. And we're going to have to decide... What we're going to do with our scars. This scar on my thumb. I was just a young, young boy. Barely a teenager. But I learned I can still use it. And because it doesn't have any feeling there, it's good to push things. (laughs) I've used it for my good. But it reminds me of how it happened. It's a constant reminder, my scar, to be real careful around saws. But you see, it hasn't defined me as a loser. It hasn't defined me as incompetent. It hasn't defined me as I can't do that anymore. What it has is it's said, Learn from this, Louis. Learn. Learn. See, Jesus decided what he was going to do with his scars. I mean, the closest people to him, some of them slept. They denied him. They sold him. They falsely accused him. John 20 says this here's what you can do with your scars. So the other disciples told him after Jesus had been crucified, dead, buried, and arose. He was around for 40 days or so. Hundreds and hundreds of people saw him. But he's back with his closest. Those that knew him the best. So the other disciples told him. They told Thomas, we've seen the Lord, but Thomas said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and I put my finger where the nails were and I put my hand on his side, I will not believe until I see the scars. I'm not going to believe many of you witness and your witness is enhanced by the scars that you have. Your witness is credible by the scars that you have. You you can't just talk about it and not live it. A false witness is seen a hundred miles away. You can try to talk smack and jack, and you can think you got it, but unless you've really been there in that situation. When someone needs you, yeah, they can validate you. But this is where it gets dicey just a little bit. Number one, do you have any scars? Or number two, have you caused any scars? See, it's one thing to get a scar. And we all want to look at it in here. Look at what happened to me. Oh man, I got a scar. They did this to me. I can't believe it. I'm never going to forgive them. I can't imagine what they were thinking. I'm never talking to them again. Me, me, me. But have you caused any scars? Because if you've caused scars... Today's the day to apply some healing, not just to yours, yes to yours. But I would proffer that God wants you to work on scars that you may have caused to others. So what do you do? I mean, the main point is we have to define our scars or they are going to define us. And our scars can be the ones that we've given to someone else. If you've injured someone else, either on purpose or by mistake, the person that was injured understands that scar. And it will define you as one who injures or it can define you as one who Makes it right, makes it better. See, all of us have some sort of scars. The ones that we have show they're obvious. The ones that no one can see and maybe only just us know, they really, they're hard to define them because they come from such a deep, deep place of hurt. The scriptures say this, after Thomas said, I am not going to believe until I see the scars. Jesus said this, a week later, John 20. A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came through and stood among them and said, peace be with you. Here's a man that could have been... Mad and aggravated. His people didn't believe him. Someone betrayed him. Others fell asleep when he needed help. Others denied him. Peace be with you. And then he went straight to Thomas. And he said, Put your finger here. See my hand. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting. And believe. Do you believe in Jesus Christ? Do you need to see the stars, the scars? See, the wounds of Jesus defined him, and his wounds define us as victors. John twenty twenty eight says this, Thomas said to him, my Lord and my God, how could I have doubted you? So is there a scar that's defining you today? I mean, pick one. You've probably got a list of them. I've been cut more times and shot, surgery done than you'd ever want to think about. Pick one, and start thinking about this. Psalm one forty seven three says, "He heals the brokenhearted and he binds up their wounds." Jeremiah thirty seventeen says this: "For I'll close up thy scar, and I will heal thee of thy wounds," says the Lord. Isaiah 53, 5 says, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and by his stripes we are healed. You see, your scars are defined. You are healed. Walk in victory today. It's God's will for your life. Now, if you've got scars that you need prayer for today, we'll have someone here to pray for you. If you've got scars, that you've caused someone else and you want to make it right, we'll pray for you. I hope today, as you leave, you'll think about What's happened to you in your life? Put it in perspective of the way that Jesus sees it. He he died for us. And all those that betrayed him and all those that gave him up, he loved Him enough that he gave his life for them. And he gave his life for you and me. Don't let scars define you today. Be victorious. Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you that your son died for the scars that we have, the physical, and those that no one can see, God, only you can heal. Father, I ask you right now, those that are here and those that are listening, that you would work in and through them on their hurts, their pains, their disappointments. And Father, that you would have a bomb that would soothe them. I thank you, Lord, that your son died for us, and through him we have life eternal, and that by your stripes we're healed. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 This is Pastor Louis. I hope you've enjoyed the message today, and I hope that it has encouraged you. If you need any further information about the message or our ministries, please contact us at the numbers on the screen. Our live worship is 10:30 each Sunday morning, and we can also be seen on YouTube and Facebook at theLivingCornerstone.org. Be blessed.